that's a big theme of, for me as a therapist is I will say in your whole story of life, like you've had some really rough chapters and those chapters, some of them have been written for you and they are rough and they're hard and it's hard to escape some of it, yep. but you get to write the next chapter and we get to do that together. And the world is the limit. Like there's nothing yeah. you can't, can't do. Welcome to my movie story. I'm your host, Brian McAleer. This is the podcast where we dive into the movies that have shaped us. Each episode, we sit down with a special guest to discuss their all-time favorite film, the movie that changed their life, and the one film they think everyone needs to see. Get ready as we journey through the cinematic worlds that make us who we are. This is My Movie Story. My guest today is Chris Hernandez. Chris is a trauma-informed therapist located in the Chicago area. Watching movies has been a family tradition since she can remember, and this tradition carries on with her five-year-old son, where most weekend nights her family builds a fort, specifically created to escape into the world of films. Her family often uses movie quotes within their daily conversations. She utilizes scenes from movies to support therapeutic understanding, and overall she uses it as a space to re-energize. Thanks for coming on My Movie Story, uh, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here. I mean, there's nothing I really love talking about more than movies, so I'm very excited yeah. about it. Great. Yeah. Thank. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And um, and uh, you're, I think, my third guest from the Chicago area I've had. So I'm 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 seeing a bit of a trend there. Um, <laughs> if we ever do like a yeah. live show of my movie story, you might have to come and uh, do that in Chicago. And uh, I actually visited Chicago back in 2010 when I was in America. Uh, loved it great great city uh and quite similar to melbourne uh in a lot of ways um really you ever come to australia cool. i've never been i would love to yeah. see that and know and know that i've never been yeah yeah it's it's interesting like I, when i was there it sort of had this familiar feel to it and i find the the people in the midwest of america are, are quite similar to australians a little a little bit more laid back a little more friendly easygoing and i've been to all different parts of america and it's definitely different um in yeah parts but uh yeah really like the midwest I spent a bit of time in in chicago and it's a famous movie city as well um obviously that it is we have a lot of movies filmed here <laughs> definitely we've featured a we've featured a couple on this podcast we've, we've done ferris bueller's day off um several yep. episodes back which is all about chicago of course and um obviously it's the inspiration for gotham city uh in in yes. batman and all the dark knight films were filmed there as well and we haven't had a batman film on the podcast yet but i'm sure we will um at some point we'll we'll be able to talk about uh chicago a little bit more uh but yeah welcome to the podcast um so tell us a bit more about yourself Kristen. so you you you're in the therapeutic um uh, industry and you work with clients and yeah tell us a bit more about what you do yeah, so I'm a trauma-focused therapist. I have a private practice. Um, I work with generally adolescents through adulthood. I have a few young kids who have had some pretty severe trauma. Yeah. Um, I And in addition to doing that, I do a lot of public speaking and trainings on mental health topics and things like that. But outside of that, I am like any other mom who's just playing games with my kid all the time. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned how like Dark Knight was filmed in Chicago and stuff. We had to show him just that scene so we could show him Lower Whacker. And that's where Batman uh, and the yeah. Joker battle off and yeah, things like cool. that. Too. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And we yeah. live about 10 minutes from the high school in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So we, oh, we wow. see that place all the time as well. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. And the, the, I think most of John Hughes' films were set 
in yeah. the Chicago area, weren't they? Yeah, so he really yeah. kind of brought that film to the... And when I was there in 2010, they had just finished filming Transformers Dark of the Moon, um, which was yes. set in the final battle was set in Chicago. And I was like a week late. They just wrapped up filming. I'm like, ah, oh, damn. But you could see certain streets where they'd filmed action scenes and there was there was like um there was like still things from the film set lying around right. and so that was that they, was cool. they try just to hide it. it yeah yeah they try and hide it there was a time I was in the city I got to see the Batmobile because I got pulled up to like a dead end and they told me there was an emergency going on and that's why it's blocked off and I uh, turned to the police I said I can see the Batmobile it's right uh, there I know what's going <laughs> on and no 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 this is an emergency just so they wouldn't get a crowd of people who start yeah. to notice what's going oh, on that is, that's really cool that's really cool um yeah we, we sometimes get movies filmed in in our cities um yeah. recently the trailer just went online for the new ryan gosling film uh fall guy where he plays a, a stuntman oh um, yeah yeah and that was I've filmed that there was a scene filmed on the sydney harbour bridge um part of that was filmed in brisbane uh the new godzilla film i think was filmed around brisbane and that so yeah um we've got big studios here they tend to film in studios and in, in these hidden away places um and sort of you know use the landscape in that but yeah, we won't. We wouldn't see as much filming happening on our city streets as you would in, say, Chicago or New York or <laughs> LA. But um, yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, that would be cool to see. Um, and well, the um, problem is, we also notice when our cities used incorrectly. Like, if you're familiar with Blues Brothers, which I didn't know, everyone didn't love it as much as we do here in Chicago. <laughs> I love it. But there film, is a yeah. scene where, yeah, and they're on the highway, supposedly driving toward the city, but the city's definitely behind them when right. they're on the highway. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we also yeah. notice all those little details too. <laughs> Absolutely. And when I was there, I couldn't find that bridge that that cop drives off. That seems to be like a thousand feet in the air, and the car just. Right. <laughs> where is that bridge it doesn't exist but anyway um but yeah it's a great city um really loved chicago and um and uh the, the films you're going to talk about today is one of them sort of has a connection to i guess the, the kind of work you do and um one is about marriage and and the relationships around that and everything so so let's let's get straight into it um chris and we'll talk about for starters your um all-time favorite movie or at least one of your all-time favorite films. Um, yeah, we've got more than one, but you know, for this podcast, we have to choose one. Um, so yeah, I thought we might start there. So if you could just tell us the name of that film and give us a little summary all about it. Yeah. So I have to say, first of all, I shared this with you previously, but the questions that you have to answer for this podcast, if you are a movie person. It took me hours to try and figure out the answers to some of these, and I'm still thinking about them. Um, I was still overthinking my answers like an hour before this was starting. But one of my favorite movies, is, and I, I always preface it with, this is not the best movie in the world. I am not saying that, but it's complicated, mm. which is with Meryl Streep, Alec Baldwin, and Steve Martin, which right there to me, if you have those three people, you yep. have a recipe for success. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Hey, there's your ex-husband. Uh-oh. Why so intense, big fella? Let's see if we can make this work. We can't, Jake. How about this? Gray sweater, very old. You have to keep that. It's cozy. Okay, I'll meet you back in 30. It's complicated. A film by Nancy Myers. Yeah, 
and it's it's really a simple simple movie but the concept is that Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin were married for like 20 years I think they get divorced it's now 10 years later and they kind of start having an affair even mm. though he is now married to the person he cheated on her with it's all drama and complicated unnecessarily yep. so yep <laughs> um and he, she simultaneously she meets Steve Martin and kind of starts having a relationship with him as well and it's mm. really just the funny antics that go on between these characters yeah definitely definitely and um Hence the title, it's complicated because it, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it is it relationships are complicated. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and these old old feelings come up for the characters and all of that. And and uh yeah, it was um it really played to the strengths of the actors. Like, you know, Meryl Streep's yeah. good in anything she does, and you know, she just you makes always it forget you're watching Meryl Streep, right? Yeah. Like she just becomes whatever character that she's playing yeah. at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, she really she's just you know one of the greatest actresses ever there's a reason she's had you know 312 oscar nominations or how many ever <laughs> how many it is and, yeah if it isn't that much it should be probably oh, for sure. i think she's up to 21 and three wins yeah. something insane like that like no one will ever uh, surpass that no there's no way um and then I you would got think at this point, and, yeah 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 i was just say i think at this point if you got nominated against meryl streep i don't know if i'd show up but like i think yeah. i would just stay home and know that yeah. it's not me <laughs> this it. year yeah yeah i i remember watching uh one year and she was nominated one of the many years she was nominated and some other actress won i think it was it might have been the year sandra bullock won and she okay. went up to meryl streep almost like you know apologizing like sorry i beat you or something like that and Meryl Streep's like, yeah. oh, get up there, get up there. I don't care. I've won 27 Oscars. Just get up there, you know. Right. <laughs> and she seems really yeah. humble and everything. And um, yeah. And uh Alec Baldwin, you know, always playing like that kind of smooth, smarmy kind of playboy. And, you know, um, he sort of plays that character really well here. Did you think? Yeah. Yeah. There's the scene, there's a scene where um you know, Meryl Streep has Steve Martin over and Alec Baldwin's like kind of sneaking in the bushes to watch them from the window. <laughs> and right, I, yeah. I just crack up because there's this like little boy inside him almost like he's yeah. so he has a crush on this girl and he's going to peek on it and he just has no boundaries yeah, whatsoever. That's right. And that's right. You know, totally Alec Baldwin. Right. And being kind of simple and funny in it. it I, for me, this movie, it's because uh, you know, life is really hard and life has a lot of really stressful moments that to me, putting this movie on is just like a very light comedy and I'm going to enjoy it. I know what's coming and I'm going to laugh really hard the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite funny, wasn't it? And uh, just, you know, uh, what surprised me about it was um, the character Steve Martin played, you know, because Typically, he plays like either the goofball or like the really like mm -hmm. neurotic, tense kind of guy who's overwhelmed with yeah. the whole situation, like Father of the Bride and or you know Cheaper by the Dozen and all that. But there's a few films okay. like this where he plays serious. You know, he plays like a yeah. really subdued character, and he's actually quite a good actor. You know, and um, I can only think of yes. two other films where he's like that. I think there was one he did with Claire Danes called Shop Girl, um, and mm -hmm. another one called yeah. a, a Simple Twist of Fate which um, had some funny elements to them, but really dramatic. So it was, it was nice to see him in that kind of role again. And um, yeah, he was, he was quite good. Uh, definitely Alec Baldwin has more yeah. time on screen than Meryl Streep, but uh, 
because they're obviously the the former couple. But um, yeah, Steve Martin was was a refreshing kind of performance from him. I thought. Well, mm. and that um, his new show that only murders in the building, like it's made me kind of almost fall back in love with Steve Martin and just yeah. how he is. Yeah. And in this right. movie, by far my favorite part of the movie is when Meryl Streep decides to smoke weed in her house <laughs> like, and he shows yep. up and she's high eating her own cake yep. and talking about how delicious her own cake is yeah and yeah. there's a scene where they're at the party and somebody smells it and he just makes that little high-pitched voice he's like nothing going on over here please move on yeah <laughs> that, that was scene funny of just that very goofy version of steve martin coming out is yep. the best it is yeah because you, you were kind of waiting for him to do something really funny and then in that scene the, the all three of them are high even Alec Baldwin takes a puff and yeah you know and then I think the Meryl Streep's son-in-law who's sort of onto what's going on he he takes it right, John well Krasinski. And, yeah yeah young John Krasinski he was really good in that I thought um so that was a funny scene you know and kind of a bit of a turning point in the story where um you know Meryl Streep and uh this character Steve Martin played Adam I think his name was um they start yeah. to get closer and then Alec Baldwin's just watching like oh no you, he's taking my wife away and then his new mm-hmm. wife's off to the side watching and she's like oh I see what's going on here so all of this right. is you know they're all sort of just playing off e- each other and yeah and um and um I guess uh the other thing about the film was you know it was directed by um Nancy Myers I think it was yeah, I think that's yeah, right. Nancy yeah. Myers, who I was looking up her IMDb after watching this, and she's only directed like six films, six or seven films. I thought she'd done oh, more than that. That's but, even um, more impressive. Than... Yeah, yeah. I think she's written a lot of stuff, um, but I quite often get her and Nora Ephron mixed up. Um, they've sort of directed similar films. I think Nora Ephron did like Sleepless in Seattle, uh, and then, you know, Nancy Myers did Something's Gotta Give, and so quite a, both of them sort of these films about adult relationships. So they're very much films that are made yeah. about adults and for adults. Um, so it and is very much an adult film, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's part of it for me. I, you know, I grew up watching my dad. Um, he looks a lot like Tony Soprano, but he loves a good romantic comedy. <laughs> and so we kind of grew up like we've watched Sleepless in Seattle so many times, and we've watched You've Got Mail and all those kind of sappier like little love comedy stories that are out there and I think this one it just had that eight like all-star cast with it Mm. and then I can't lie I also am a huge office fan so I think having John Krasinski in there was a perfect mix um you know his whole reaction when they're up in the hotel room and he's watching this whole thing play out with the (laughs) hospital like they're not sure what's all happening that's right that was funny yeah yeah, he just he has such good um acting with just his facial reactions mm. that he adds to it as well. But it is yeah, it's very much an adult story and I think that that's part of it for me is I like that we're not always watching stories about young couples falling in love, but more what's it like after happily ever after, right? Mm-hmm. Like it yep. tends to be a little bit more complicated and yes. this shining yeah. some humor to it works for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess it, it gives uh, a little bit of hope to some adults who might find themselves on the other side of a marriage who've, who've unfortunately had to divorce for whatever reason and who might feel like, oh, I'm too old, it's too late to start again. But then, you know, they just sort of, they let go and they just they just go with whatever's happening, you know, as Meryl Streep's character does when 
the flame is rekindled with her ex and she's very hesitant at first but then he sort of you know persuades her and she gets lost in that and then her life starts to really you know become unhinged and all that and uh yeah, yeah I, I, for me i really i love the scene you were talking about before like when they all smoke weed i thought that was hilarious but um the, the final scene with the two of them sort of sitting on the bench outside her house mm-hmm. and that was a really tender scene you know where it was yeah. he was like you know I thought this was my last chance for for happiness and and I've I've stuffed up and then she says you know what we both messed up we both messed up this marriage okay. it just wasn't meant to work out and then you know they make peace and she's kind of yeah. like okay you know I've, I've had this I've revisited it it didn't really work out um and then you know some closure in yeah, a way they, like they needed that closure yeah so it's not necessarily a yes she gets back with her ex and everything's great and it doesn't suggest that she necessarily gets together with steve martin's character either it kind of hints that maybe something will happen um but right. it doesn't give you that it's it is sort of a twist on the you know romantic comedy formula boy meets girl boy likes girl um boy wins the girl boy loses the girl boy wins her back right, right. sort of the the formula we've seen but it, it's a bit of a twist on that it's a little bit a little more true to life i thought um yeah i agree with that i think mm. that's part of it you know as a therapist i'm always telling people that just because a relationship doesn't work out doesn't mean someone's bad or good it, they're just not right for you and so there's i think that part of it i like a lot that it's more realistic and yeah. you know yeah, am I hoping, am I rooting for Adam and Meryl Streep's character to be still be together? Sure. Well, why not? Because yeah. I want to be hopeful. But yeah. it also, like you said, it lends it to anything could still happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and it's funny. And it, like you said, it's a lighthearted watch. You don't have to think much. You know, it says a few mm-hmm. interesting things about marriage, divorce, adultery, but, you know, and but in a funny lighthearted way. So it's uh yeah, not not a not like a classic by any means. And I don't think Meryl Streep was nominated for this. It was probably the only film she wasn't right, nominated no. for. <laughs> Sorry, right. she had 10 other nominations. An Award. Yeah. Right. And I think that was it when you're was your best movie of all time. I there are so many movies that come to mind and so many that I know are maybe more universally thought of. But I, I just tried to think of, but when I'm having a really hard time, I don't put on the really deep movies. I don't put on the ones that are going to make me think and make me go, this mm. was such great cinema. Mm. Instead, I just go, I just need something really light that makes yeah. me escape from life for a yeah. little bit. Just for a couple of hours. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's that's what this movie is. is. You know, it's kind of a, a sneak peek into someone else's life, but it's not too overbearing. It's just like, oh, yeah, that was funny. That was lighthearted. Yeah. So we need and movies not like to that. Mention, she she has my dream house. That's I think her house should be its <laughs> own character in this movie. Oh yeah, I just have to say that too because that that house is just gorgeous. On it top a of beautiful it. house, yeah, definitely. And the bakery she owns as well. Like I want to go to that bakery. Like it just exactly. <laughs> I want those chocolate croissants like really badly. Yeah, yeah. The scene where they make the croissants that was really cool. Yeah. All right. So great chat about it's complicated. Um, really enjoyed the film. Um, yeah, like you said, just a bit of light, you know, escapism. A couple yeah. of hours on a Friday, Saturday night. Pour a glass of wine, watch it, have fun. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> and, that's basically um, how it goes. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the whole purpose of the film. So awesome. Now um, we might move on to your next film, Chris, if that's okay. And um, this yeah. is the film that uh, you refer to as the one that really changed your perspective. And, and um, it probably is quite um 
related to the work that you do and and that sort of thing as well. So yeah, if you could tell us uh, what that film is, and we'll we'll talk all about it. Yeah, so that one is Goodwill Hunting. I think one that's probably loved by many. I don't know if I've ever met someone who didn't like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Nobody can understand you, right, Will? You're a genius. I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some book. Unless you want to talk about you. Are you terrified of what you might say? You're sitting on a winning lottery ticket. You got something none of us have. Oh, come on. Why is it always this? I mean, I owe it to myself. You don't owe it to yourself. You owe it to me. Because I'd do anything to have what you got. So would any of these guys. She's perfect right now, and I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. That way you can go through your entire life without ever having to really know anybody. I love you. You ever think about getting remarried? My wife's dead. Hence the word remarried. My wife's dead. Well, I think that's a super philosophy, Sean. I mean, that way you could actually go through the rest of your life without ever really knowing anybody. Robin Williams. Matt Damon. Ben Affleck. Stellan Skarsgård. And Minnie Driver. Goodwill Hunting. A film by Gus Van Sant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um you know i was looking through questions like you know favorite scene and i i basically want to say every scene is the best scene of this mm. movie mm -hmm. but for me the reason i it changed and also just enhanced or broadened my perspective so i'm going to share a little bit of a personal story that kind of why this movie means cool. so much to me um, you know, my family moved here from Greece, and when my grandfather got here, he did not speak a word of English. He also has never had never had a day of school in his entire life, not wow. one day. Um, he became he drove taxi cabs to try and learn the city and learn the language. He then became a food produce delivery guy. And I see so much of him in will's character and it's because my grandfather went through the worst of the worst in world war ii some of the worst things that we can imagine having happened happened to him or around him yeah and i think people often underestimated him and to me to this day was the most brilliant man i've ever met wow. and so then when you see goodwill hunting to me the premise of this film is don't ever underestimate someone and be super curious about people around you because yeah. every person in this world has more of a story than we recognize. Oh, yeah. And I bring that, that thought into every client I see. And this movie just does such a great job of shining light on that. It does. It really does. Yeah. And wow. What, what an amazing story. And um, to know where your grandfather came from and, and how he made a life for himself. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it that's the thing about Goodwill Hunting is that we can all recognize ourselves or someone else in the film, mostly in the character of Will, or it might be the or Robin Williams's character. And um, in, in my background as a youth worker, this is a film I suggest to all my students to watch. I even suggested it to a client of mine who reminded me of Will in a lot of ways. You know, he was, um, he uh, had grown up in foster care um did, didn't have his parents on the scene uh was had some 
drug problems, some anger problems, but was really, really smart. And he was telling me all these ideas all the time about starting a business and all the things he wanted to do. And then I said to him, yeah. have you seen the film Goodwill Hunting? And I explained it to him. I'm like, you need to watch that film. And then um, this was sort of just before streaming took off in Australia. So about 10 years ago. So it wasn't online anywhere to watch. Um, right. he, there was no video stores left. So he went down to his local library saw a copy of it on the shelf, joined up at the library. He'd never joined a library before. <laughs> he would be caught dead in the library, you know, and he rented it yeah. and he watched it. And a couple of weeks later, he said to me, thank you for recommending that film. I watched it. I loved it. And I, and yeah. I said to him, did you identify the character of Will? And I swear he had like a tear in his eye. He's like, yeah, I, I totally understand what was going on for that kid. And we had this whole big conversation about it. And it was just, you know, the power of that film is amazing. And, um, do you, do you remember seeing it for the first time, like where you were in life when Goodwill Hunting came into your world? You know, I was looking up like the release date and stuff like that. And I was definitely a kid like when it came up because it was 1999, right? Is that correct? Uh, 97. 97. Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, okay. So 97. So yeah, I'm like fourth or fifth grade. So I'm pretty young, but I guarantee I saw it around then because we yep. tended to watch movies maybe before I was supposed to it certain ages <laughs> but it you know I think it's interesting I had just watched it this week kind of getting prepared to do this exact podcast and I hadn't watched it in actuality since being a therapist fully through like I've definitely turned it on on tv and kept it on but not from start to finish and it was so different because mm -hmm. you know it used to be this relation to my family now I get emotional watching it because I have so many kids who over the years have been referred to me from schools and they get referred like, oh, well, good luck with this kid. They're a lost cause. This one's a horrible kid. And I cringe at that. There's no mm. such thing as a bad kid That's right. there. And, and I, the idea that anyone would cut off the potential of a child before they've even had a chance and they put that in somebody's head. And I think that's why there's that scene, my favorite scene kind of speaks to some of this, which is he gets so defensive, right? Because he has to protect yep. himself. Yep. He has people abandoning him his entire life or judging him. Yep. So the scene when Robin Williams says, you know, you really upset me, but then I thought about all the life you haven't experienced yet. Mm, and yes. he ends up kind of telling him like, it's your move chief, right? Like he opens up and talks about losing a wife, going through being in the war and all of these yeah. things. Yep. To me, it was Will recognizing like, oh, I have not the only one who has seen pain and hurt. Mm, and yeah. I'm not the only one who has a story and I need to let people in if I'm going to start to recognize it. Maybe I have things yeah. in common with people too. That's right. Yeah. Yes. That's such a powerful scene because it was that day after they just first met and Will comes yeah. into the office and completely like rips, um, what's Robin Williams' character name again? Um, ben. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Completely yeah. rips his I'm life hearing apart. The, I'm hearing his partner, like the other um, yeah. guy, the mathematician professor saying it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And he just rips his life apart. And then the next day he's like, well, every other therapist has failed, tried and failed with this kid or they've just passed him off. But like, even though he had a stab at me, I can see this kid's a genius and I want to help him heal um, because that's what my job is. And, and then I love at the end of that scene on the bench where he's like, it's your move chief. And he just walks away. 
And then the next time we see them, they're sitting, Will shows up and they're sitting there and it's just that scene where they're sitting there saying nothing for a while. Right. Yeah. Um, there's so many great scenes to talk about. So, um, yeah. so just, I guess just quickly for, I know some young people might be watching this podcast who haven't seen Goodwill Hunting because it's, you know, it was made in Sorry, the yeah. olden days. So I jumped speak. right in. I didn't even yeah. no, give us okay. synopsis. <laughs> that's okay, but they'll they'll thank us later after you you've recommended this film. <laughs> so I guess yeah. just quickly the basic plot of the film and who is Will and yeah, just what's going on yeah. in this story. Yeah, so the basic plot is you have a kid who well, I guess he's he's probably oh he's twenty he's twenty he turns twenty in the film or twenty one in the film, yeah. and so he is a twenty one year old kid outside of Boston, grew up outside of Boston, the cool thing about this is it's there's some parallel to real life with him and Ben Affleck but um so yeah which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about too because you have to with this movie but but basically the idea is this kid Will is working jobs that are just very common for where he's from they're laying bricks he's working and doing um like kind of cleaning the school like custodial work Mm -hmm. and there and there's a equation on the board that is meant for people who are studying to who are basically mathematicians they're geniuses in math i guess and it's an equation that they're saying is basically impossible for someone to solve or it's as close to as it can be and he solves it and they have no idea obviously that it's him they think it's one of the students in the college when no one comes forward they kind of catch him working on the second problem and recognize that this kid who kind of grew up in a foster care he was an orphan he's never really had a lot of school in his background gotten in a lot of trouble is an actual genius and mm-hmm. can surpass everyone teaching these courses yeah. so they'd want to put him on this fast track for his career but his trauma and things that he's been through are huge roadblocks in him being able to kind of go after those goals yeah so cool. yeah then yeah. starts therapy with robin williams by far yeah. the best therapist there could be <laughs> oh yeah that's it if you if you want to sit down and talk to someone that you it's uh it's that character he plays and and yeah. um and a great role for robin williams one of his best and and he was really at his peak in the 90s and he won the oscar for it right. where he had a string of all these comedy hits in the 90s and then occasionally he'd veer off and do these dramatic roles and he did some more sort of darker dramatic roles after this, but this was, I think, one of my favorite dramatic roles of his uh, as well. Yeah. And um, he just embodies the character of this counselor who has seen a lot and been through a lot himself. Uh, but he's like, he's not going to take any crap off this, you know, this kid is basically coming across as a bit of a, a bit of a punk at the start where he's like, I'm challenging yeah. every authority figure I can. And then, and Rob Williams, uh, Ben just put, peels back the layers and, and breaks him down um and yeah it's their scenes are great like really really effective yeah Yeah, and they have commonality because robin williams character he's from the same area as will's character so that's another big part as to how they kind of break through it but Mm. yeah his robin williams like you believe that that man lost his wife like he just looks heartbroken the entire time and you you definitely believe it yeah that's right he's he's burnt out he's sort of He's just really just taking it day by day. And even just the clothes yeah. he wears, he's just kind of like just picking himself up each day and just trying to trying to move forward. And I think he sees Will as a bit of a challenge and maybe like almost kind of redemption. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to help this kid because, you know, he probably recognizes a bit of himself in Will 
you know, and because yeah. like they come from the same area and everything. So it was really the perfect match and uh, their scenes were great. Um, do, do you have a favourite I... scene from the film, in particular between well, Rob Williams and I Matt think Damon? aside... I think aside from the your move chief like that part I because I really do I love that whole interaction um I think everyone's always going to talk about the part where he just starts crying he says it's not your fault like oh, you yeah. being an orphan you going through the thing it's not your fault and he just keeps yeah. repeating it while Matt Damon's character Will is just sobbing and you see to me you see this like the inner child in him who just so badly has always wanted to be loved and there is a parallel story going on where he meets someone and their love is kind of offered to him in a sense and he doesn't recognize it he doesn't know how to trust something like that and so yeah. that part um and maybe that's the therapist in me too that just <laughs> like I've had those moments with clients where you break through to something and when you hit that that spot you know it's the first time they're recognizing that this was done to them and that they're mm. not the reason it happened yeah and you see that empowerment start to to kind of shine light i think yeah yeah again like such a powerful scene there where he just he gives will the permission to to let go of all this anger he's been hanging on to which yeah. in a way i guess he was sort of you know holding on to that almost as a form of his identity and and to mm -hmm. justify his actions and his place in the world it's like what empowered him was that anger and that i'm going to challenge authority and everyone i meet because that's my way of getting back at the person who hurt me all those years ago um and that, that's a big coping mechanism i think especially for young people where they can't quite go back and address the person or challenge the person who hurt them so they kind of take it out on everyone else that sort of projection but you know, Ben just yeah. gets past that, and then you and you see it. And Matt Damon's acting in this was just fantastic, and um, you just see him his whole state change in that moment, where he finally just lets go, and the way he hugs and cries, and it's like it's so real. It was such a brilliant performance. Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I, think I think that's my part, favorite scene in the film too. Yeah. Well, and part of the brilliance, and I don't know if you're aware, so much of Robin Williams' lines were not scripted yeah they were just him yep. and so some of the things that he just says and that come together in these scenes when you know these weren't even lines yeah. I it blows my mind I really yeah. can't believe how real it feels like we were talking about in the previous movie you forget it's Meryl Streep you do not think of Robin Williams during the no, movie definitely you not. know this is very much this therapist who's been through a lot yeah um and I like I also even in the other part where they're at the park and they have that conversation when he says like, yeah, you can quote everyone to me and you can tell me about anything. You can talk to me about the Sistine Chapel, but you've never looked up at it yes. and you've never, and you've never felt these things for real. Mm. Like talk about calling someone on their bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah. I get that you know a lot, but you have not lived enough to yeah. really speak about it. And That's so right. just all yeah. those dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I'm curious to hear, if, like, how has this film maybe influenced you and your your experience in therapy, or have you met a client sort of similar to Will, or like, how does it connect to your journey? 
Yeah, I mean, I've met a lot of kids. Like, like I can't say I've met kids that necessarily have the genius level that that Will's character has. There, I mean, they are all very brilliant kids, but you know, yeah. his is a whole nother level. Sure. Um, but I have come across and worked with just an, I can't even tell you the amount of kids that life has somewhat written off, yeah. um, and they have decided you know, this kid is destined to be in a gang. This kid is destined to drop out of school. He's destined to end up in jail. And girls too, like, it's been the same thing. They, even parents, because they didn't know any better from their own childhood, had expectations on some of the kids I've worked with that, what does it matter? They're not going to graduate high school. They're going to get pregnant. They're going to have kids early. And that is almost the bar that's set for them as yeah. high as they can get. Yep. And I've, there are two kids that really stand out to me that, you know, ethically, I can't keep checking up on them to see where they are in life. But I like to think that they surpassed what the world expected of them because they did have moments in therapy where they were able to recognize, like, you're not what happened to you. That's not your whole story. That's a big theme of, for me as a therapist is I will say in your whole story of life, like you've had some really rough chapters and those chapters, some of them have been written for you and they are rough and they're hard and it's hard to escape some of it, yep. but you get to write the next chapter and we get to do that together. And the world is the limit. Like there's nothing yeah. you can't, can't do. That's and getting great. to see that wonder is mm. very different. And so this, yeah. and how do you not think about this movie in those yeah. kinds of moments? Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It just automatically springs to mind anytime I'm, you know, when I'm teaching students in, in the field of youth work, like, I, th I quote this film, I bring it up quite a lot, mm -hmm. you know, even the famous, um, you know, quote about the apples, I, I use, I've used that quite of a course. few times, you know, uh, there was um, years back when I was in America working on a, on a, on a summer camp, actually, we, one of the staff activities at night was like a trivia question, a trivia mm -hmm. game, and uh, you had to stand up and if you got the question wrong, you went and sat down. And there was me and maybe three other people left. And one of the questions, I can't remember the question, but the choices were, is it oranges or apples? Those were the answers. And the, and the girl said, oranges. And then the person doing the question's like, no, sorry, it's apples. Go sit down. She's like, oh, damn. And I couldn't help myself. When she's walking off, I said, how do you like them apples? <laughs> you have to. You absolutely have to. Like, uh, that got a bit of a laugh as well. And and um, But that was way back in 2007. I think if I say that to my yeah. students now who are in their early 20s, they're like, huh? <laughs> but I then know, honestly. I get a little sad at how this movie's described as like old now. And I'm like, oh, I guess that that's that's right. I'm not happy about it, but I guess that's right. <laughs> yeah, 20, yeah, 25, 26 years old now. But um, yeah. you know, and the film that launched Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's careers and you know, they wrote the screenplay, they acted in it, they um, you know, they won the Oscar for the screenplay and and yeah, the rest is history. Um and uh just yeah. such a such a landmark movie. Yeah. I had some tough competition well, that year. It got beaten by Titanic for best picture. Um, right. But, you know, at least Rob Williams got the acting and it got the screenplay. So, yeah. And honestly, the dynamic of like the guy, the friends too, is such a powerful part of the movie. And mm -hmm. I think that speaks to them writing it together. Like just the banter between them and stuff yeah. like that comes out so strong. And it's it's such a powerful part of the movie. If you didn't have those like friendship, those, that brotherhood dynamic, the rest of it would fall apart.
yeah yeah they have such great natural chemistry together and it really makes that relationship work and you know they've gone on and done a few other films together and most recently the one about um the invention of the uh air jordan um about the guy yeah, that was a great movie yeah, yeah which was directed by ben affleck but um starred matt damon and yeah so yeah, really good, but, really good. Mm. well but and still to this day though if you hear either one of them interviewed on a podcast without question the story of how did goodwill hunting happen again mm. is you know because it's fascinating that they weren't getting cast for things and they're like well we'll just write our own movie then and it turns into this yeah and yeah. then yeah it just set them on their way so yeah and, and both yeah. of them had sort of had little acting parts before that um you know and but this was really the one that you know catapulted them and you know they've they've had very different careers but they kind of come back occasionally and and do stuff together as well which is really cool um so yeah, yeah really great partnership and uh yeah oh that's just so much to talk about with this film you know we could have a whole episode on goodwill hunting alone but just just in wrapping yeah. it up uh i guess um we've talked about your favorite scenes and i guess how it's changed your perspective on therapy and all of that is there um maybe another aspect of the film um that is important to talk about or that you know might get some people curious about it well think? i think it's just i think it's more about you know i was lucky enough to be raised with this perspective but you really need to treat everyone you come across as a human being and recognize that everyone may have strengths and things that you don't even you can't even possibly imagine they may not even be aware of it yet and I to me it's just that story of people connecting and getting yep. past the the bullshit and titles and what degrees might mean and all of that and and don't get me wrong I'm someone with the degrees and I still look at it and go who cares because it doesn't mean that I'm any more important than any other person yeah, exactly. and that to me exactly. is what this story is really about yeah yeah uh, very very true very true awesome and awesome. it plus the best last line which is that when he says like he stole my line yeah that's like it. he just says the kid stole my line I love yeah. that part yeah <laughs> and, and I always sit at the end and watch the end credits because it's the whole credits is just the footage of his car driving yeah driving across yeah. country to go get the girl and go chase the girl and mm -hmm. and Gotta see about a girl that's right yeah and I just watched that film and you see his car go off and you know over the yeah. horizon it's a beautiful finish to the movie um yeah well yeah. thank you for bringing goodwill hunting to to my movie story of uh I've been sort of secretly waiting for someone to uh discuss <laughs> this film so thank you and I'm I'm really glad we've added it to our collection of of movies um and you know that category the film that changed a person's perspective um it's always a different film every time so uh it's really uh been a great film to talk about so so thank you and we've got one more to get through uh one more film to get through which is another big film in a lot of ways and um stars another big actor and you know draws some similarities to good will hunting maybe some similarities to another film called the shawshank redemption uh, which might, it might be coming up in a future episode. I can't confirm or deny that yet, but uh, tell us about this film, the one that you think everyone must see. And what's it all about? Yeah. So this is Green Mile, which is adapted from the book by Stephen King. Uh Miracles are funny things. You never know when they're going to happen. And when they happen in a place like this, that's the most unbelievable miracle of all this is the story 
of a miracle. But happened here, where I work. On the Green Mile. This one, there, yeah, there are a lot of parallels to Shawshank and full transparency. I could easily have answered with Shawshank Redemption, but I'm a big mm -hmm. believer that Green Mile doesn't get the attention it deserves um, mm -hmm. in comparison. It's but a bit overshadowed the, the by reason, Shawshank, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It, I And they came out, you know, it's, they had the same book author right is Stephen King for both but then they also had the same screenplay writer and director so right. there's yeah. a lot of parallels yeah. in these. and some of the same actors um, from Shawshank were in it as well yeah, yeah yeah so I this one is really I mean it's complicated because there is some um supernatural component to this story of course but this is really about being on death row and it's the story of the guards who work on death row and some of the inmates that are there more specifically john coffee and somebody who's been wrongfully accused for i believe like it's murdering the women but or the girls these young yeah. girls and kind of his story and how just based on his size and his look and kind of what had played out he was automatically accused and at this time he means the 1930s Unfortunately, yeah. somebody who is black and who's large and looks the way he does was not often given a second chance no. to tell their story. No. So it's it's kind of a good versus evil movie to me. Mm. Like there's a lot of that theme that goes on in this story. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And and starring you know Tom Hanks, um, who oh was, yeah that guy who's heard of him. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Who was coming yeah. off of Saving Private Ryan and and yeah. you know, was ruled the 90s cinema like it was just one landmark film after another and um he plays a little bit more he steps back a little bit in this film i found you know it's not about him like it is in no. his other films um you know he really is just sort of carrying the film obviously he's the big star but it's it's about it's about the green mile it's about the the security block and that the death row and these characters that inhibit it and and john coffee's journey and and um all of that and that wonderful twist at the end and um, and just just your thoughts on um, being a Stephen King story. And I think if we go back to just Shawshank for a moment, um, Shawshank Redemption, you know, a lot of people didn't realize when that film came out and it grew and it grew and grew and as a bit of a cult favorite uh, that it was a Stephen King story, right? Because all the movies that had been adapted from his books leading up to that was all his scary stories, you know, it's yeah. The Shining and all these like monsters and stuff, mm -hmm. and then he proved Pet he could cemetery, write all the things, all yeah. that stuff, yeah. Which uh, you know they're hit and miss, but they're they're fun. You know they're fun. They're scary stories. You can't you can't really mm -hmm. hate. Them. Um, and you know he's definitely my favorite author. Um, and it's interesting because Green Mile and Shawshank were both both based on short stories, novellas. Uh, yes, and they tend to make better movies from his books. And yeah, so just your thoughts on I guess you know. The fact that this is a Stephen King story, you know, what what are your are you sort of got any yeah. comments on that? Well, yeah, I'm a I am a big Stephen King fan. I have to thank my brother for that one. He has written he has read every single Stephen King book. Oh, he's wow. never missed one. Wow. Um, and growing up, he's older than I am. And growing up, um, as traumatic as this might sound, he used to read them to me to fall fall asleep. So <laughs> I. <laughs> 
I kind of grew up um, hearing Stephen King's stories yeah. and like, <laughs> you know, even Needful Things is one of our favorites. Like we, uh, we yeah. like some of the deeper cut Stephen King stories as well. Mm. And so I think, you know, we were actually, I was telling him even how I was me doing this podcast. He talked about how this was broken up, how he remembered going and buying each chapter as it came out. Like oh, that's right. They were released component. as little mini books. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah. yeah. And so we were talking about that part because he would then read them to me. And then, you know, the what our gener the new generations don't get is we didn't have instant gratification. So you really did have to wait for the next one to come oh, out. Yeah, it was a big and deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people get, like they, you know, now a movie being well, I guess a Marvel movies, every movie's like three hours plus. But <laughs> yeah. I've heard people have, you know, response that this movie's too long. If you've read the book, this movie could have been so much longer. So mm. I think they do a great job of really capturing the essence of all the characters. Yeah. By making it that long. Yeah, it, it's hard with films because they want to stay faithful to the source material and yeah, and, you know, adapt as much as they can, but um yeah uh otherwise every you know like the harry potter movies for example like if they'd adapted everything in some of the later books those films would be six seven hours long you know <laughs> yeah so you've, you've got those a, would have yeah. been my favorite movie choice but i couldn't pick between the eight of them so oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i can understand yeah and why is this a film everyone needs to see chris so again i think i have like a personal side to this as well i have been honored to have had a position at one point where I was doing therapy for people who were in essentially an alternative to prison. They were not guilty by reason of insanity for things like murder. And I saw the humanity in these people who had been written off by society as well and got to hear their story and got to understand some of what had happened, some of the misconceptions of situations, nothing like this, where it was like a wrongfully accused, mm. you know, and there's this whole big battle, but still someone who maybe has been seen as a monster who very much is not. Um, and there's a lot more to a story now with this one, I think, and so like, that's kind of where my passion for the population in general of every person deserves humanity. And I think Tom Hanks's character, Paul, he talks about how, you know, you treat the Green Mile like it's a intensive care health unit, like someone who's about to die and what yeah. kind of treatment would somebody need in that situation. Mm -hmm. And of course, honestly, also as I'm, social injustices and the the racial aspect of the film and I think it's just a I don't know it shines so much light on so many problems that still occur in our society yeah. Yeah. and it is a shift in that perspective and you see these people who are given the job of monitoring and controlling what would be perceived as the worst of the worst criminals right yeah. and yet there's kindness, there's mm -hmm. humanity, there's, um, you see concern for one another, you see friendships bond, you see loyalties form, and then you see what it looks like when that loyalty is violated and how they protect one another. It is just yeah. a part of life none of us are going to hopefully see in mm -hmm. person, mm -hmm. but something you can't imagine. And then you get to 
to see it play out. And yeah, there's a supernatural piece because it is written by Stephen King. So there has, to, has yeah. to be something else in there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely got his sort of some trademark Stephen King moments in there. And, you know, yeah. Um, yeah so I was really surprised by the the humanity of the guards in this film and how, yeah, how well they treated the, the inmates. And, uh, you know, they really are with them in those final dark moments. It would be, yeah, yeah. I couldn't imagine having to have that responsibility of, you know, watching a person die, you know, the way that they would all stand there and just watch the ex- execution be carried out as well. Like yeah. it would have really would have taken a toll on them. Yeah. And, and you can feel it. I mean, that even the actor who is in the first time that you see the execution and he's like having that anxiety, you see him breathing so deeply, yeah. you feel it. Like you yeah. can feel that. Like, I mean, Obviously, I can't fully imagine, but there he does such a good job of portraying that. And you notice that the guards, like, they take each time so much to heart. Like, it is not a light thing. It's not a, oh, this is just part of our job. No, this is a horrific part of our job. And mm. But we have to do it. And if we're going to, we're going to make sure someone feels like we see them up until the last moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they still they did it with dignity and grace, and, uh, and yeah. I guess in the in the final moments, like the 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 man being executed, whatever crime he committed, somewhere in there, there is still a human. There's a there's a human being exactly. somewhere, and they've made terrible yeah, mistakes. Asks, and yeah, he asks that question to Tom Hanks to Paul, where he says you know, do you think heaven is that we get to go back to before we did horrible things to when like life was good? Is that what heaven was like? And talks about being 18 and falling in love. And you're just going, man, people, you don't know what, what happened in someone's life to get them from point A to point B where they are now. And all they're doing is replaying that. Yeah. And it really comes back to an important point. And, you, you know, you touched on this when we talked about goodwill hunting is that, I think we need to get to know each person individually because everyone has a story, even though the story they might tell themselves or the story other people tell, make up about them. It's not who they are. You know, they're not defined by their story, right? Like I believe we're defined by our choices um, about how we move forward from that, but it's so easy for society just to instantly label and stereotype people who do something wrong in the eyes of, of the public without giving any consideration to well hang on what what led up to this you know because there's there's always a multitude of factors and incidents and situations that shaped that person to that crime or that offense or whatever it is so i think if we try to understand that a bit better we could reduce the stigma reduce the fear you know and this was the 1930s and it was in the depression so people were like under really you know terrible circumstances and they were just like oh he's a killer get rid of him you know one less mouth right. to feed sort of thing but and there's still a lot of hate around and we're seeing it in the world today unfortunately with current events but yeah, yeah i think you make a great point just coming back to what you said is that we need to understand who the person is you know and what their journey has been yeah really important yeah and i think you know and this one it does shine a lot of like truth onto race and that part of it as well especially in those times but I mean, the the scene where, and I would not normally use this term, but it's how it's described, but like comparing a Negro to a dog, right? And saying you can love a dog, but you don't know what a dog can do Mm. and is capable of. 
is just so I don't know, make infuriating, right? And because you know there are people who still hold on to similar mentalities, and it, it just I don't know. To me, this story helps you. Maybe if that's not your perspective, if that is not the life that you've come from or that your ancestors have come from, maybe this helps you understand a little bit better that people were portrayed incorrectly and titles were kind of put on people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just coming off of what you've just said there, like um, in interviews, Stephen King would say that um, a lot of the time he would get letters or emails accusing him of being a racist and a homophobic. And then his reply to that was, no, that's not me. Uh, that's that's the character and he, the way he writes right. it, like the character comes to life and basically tells him what to say but obviously it's coming from somewhere within him and then he says you know people will pay therapists to get rid of their demons i write books to get rid of my demons and people pay me <laughs> so, yeah. so that's such a smart way of putting it and probably why his books are so appealing because he's not afraid to just touch on those i guess the dark side of humanity um that is is somewhere inside all of us you know but we make that choice to be like what how am I going to live what's my life going to be about you know yeah isn't that essentially what John Coffey does like he Mm -hmm. says that's what it's like all day long is Mm -hmm. I see the darkness of the world I see the horrific things people have done and like that that's literally what his character's like supernatural power is is Mm -hmm. he sees the pain and I it's funny again I had a conversation with how I was going to talk about this movie and I was asked like do you still feel okay time it's kind of a racist movie and I that actually caught me off guard because I went well but that's kind of the point right like that it's 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 allowing people to see if we pretend like something isn't there and we only make movies like it's complicated right then we're never gonna have these kinds of deeper conversations where we recognize that there's improvements to be made and that we as a society need to do better absolutely yeah and and in recent years we've seen you know cancel culture come along and either try to change movies take scenes out of them or just prevent them from being screened altogether or they'll come up with like a disclaimer at the start saying at the time this is how it was portrayed and all that so yeah Yeah. I get that like we we can't be too overly sensitive to that because you know the 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 time that this film was set in the 1930s in the southern states you know where racism was very rampant that's how people a lot of people thought back then you know because the awareness is was not where it is today so like you said yeah we need to have films and stories that portray this these times and these perspectives and sides of humanity so we can understand ourselves better and not like pretend it never happened and and cancel it per se because it's not going to make that past go away you know we need to how do we learn from it yeah let's learn from it it? Mm. and i mean and in this we do have percy who is the complete display of entitlement right oh, and somebody who thinks rules don't apply <laughs> such a prick yeah. rules don't apply to him yeah. he's more important than everyone in the room he's better than everyone in the room mm-hmm. he can do no wrong mm-hmm. he's just the you know he thinks of himself above everything and i think we can all agree that that exists in our society entirely oh, yeah. in yeah. our country we nominate them for president and everything <laughs> um but 
<laughs> but there there are people who still act that way right like have mm. this entitlement like i'm more important because of what i have or who my family is mm. and in the end you're not there's not i i don't know it's the lesson i tell my son all the time i always tell him i love you more than anyone in the world but you are not more important than anyone in the world mm. like and we talk a lot about how there's a big difference there uh, yeah. and i think this story helps people see that and recognize what power you can have if you just talk to someone like a human being yeah yeah so true and and what a great thing to say to your child like you know i love you more than anything else but you're not more important than anyone else like to carry that you know with them into adulthood yeah that's that's a great lesson i think or a great value to pass on to our children is and then that way they develop humility and and um yeah. they're humble and then they treat everyone the same um yeah uh, which is going to help them later in life you know to rise above those occasions and deal with the little percy's of the world who will <laughs> who will show up and yeah. try to cause trouble for everybody you know um yeah yeah so uh again another film where there's a lot to unpack and uh you know it, it's a great example of you know stephen king's writing and how he really understands human nature and the dark side of but it, that even in the dark, there is that, there's that light, there's that hope, um, you know, and, yeah, and Mr. things Jingles, don't. Jingles, he's the light in the dark, right? That's Mr. right. Mr. The, Jingles, the little mouse. mouse. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's the light in the dark. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It could be the same mouse from the movie Mouse Hunt. He looked kind of similar. Actually, but, <laughs> well, um... according to Green Mile, that mouse lived forever. So he could be well, in all the, all the movies. <laughs> yeah. That's it. There you go. And then, uh, you know, and we can talk about spoilers in this film, which is fine. And then the old man, you know, at, at the end is actually, you know, tom hanks much older um and basically he will he'll live forever uh because he was he was healed by john coffee and then there's the the theory that john coffee with the initials jc is like a reference to jesus christ that he's like a christ figure and all of that so lots of archetypes lots of mythology in the story and uh it's one you can go back and rewatch again and again and uh yeah i I rewatched it for this episode it's maybe the third time i think i've seen it third or fourth time um, and definitely I noticed a few different things um, with this viewing as well. Um, so just in wrapping up the Green Mile, do you have a favorite scene from the film? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I think honestly, the entire component of De La Croix, De La Croix, how, how do they pronounce it? He's a friend, the French. Oh, Dale, Dale De La Edward yeah, Dale, or something like Dale, that. Yeah. 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 Dale, I think, um, right now, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Dale will say it that's definitely easier for me to say. Um, but for Dale, I think his whole storyline of like how they get him to where it is his execution time, how protective they are of him, mm. um, his protectiveness of of Mr. Jingles, the mouse, but then you know it's horrific if you have not seen this movie there is a death scene that is really really hard to watch it's even harder to read in the story if you read the book but it's um you know essentially again and this is kind of a spoiler but again percy does not wet the sponge and so we watch that execution just go horribly wrong and while it's maybe strange to say that it's like one of my favorite scenes it's not the actual watching of that but it's the reactions of Mm. the guards and how it plays out after that and what that becomes for Percy and just Mm. watching like what happens when you don't treat someone with humility and that even the people who came to watch this man die were horrified to see it happen in this way and so again 
it just perpetuates that whole we are all people and you know i could go into obviously i have different views on even death row and all those things as it is yeah but i just think again it's about a person for a person yeah yeah great point great point yeah and and yeah definitely a hard scene to watch and i haven't read the book but i can imagine it would be a hard read and that's the thing of stephen king's writing is he doesn't hold back you know and i've, I've read a lot of his other books and certain scenes in the books were omitted from the film adaptations or changed because in the book they were just so graphic um that <laughs> they couldn't be couldn't be filmed like you it would just not get past the ratings board but um you know uh guess yeah what makes him one of the most successful writers of all time you know he's just he touches on a lot of different uh nerves and um and then just just sort of in wrapping up chris you know this has been a great chat and i'm i'm keen to hear a little bit more about i guess from you know a therapist's point of view are there other films that you recommend to your clients uh or uh that are well, honorable mentions <laughs> so speaking honestly of kids i actually never shine away from the power of the disney movie inside out honestly uh, like so good it's just does such a great job i've had adults watch it and go it makes so much sense now mm -hmm. so i would never shy away from that one but honestly, I think that I use music and movies a lot as references, but it it's more tailored to the individual. And maybe I will start to get to know show or movies that they like, and then I'll pull themes from it. Yep. So it's not as much that I always recommend something different, but I like them to see some parallel themes and things they're already watching. Yeah. I have a long list of stuff I wish no one watched because mental health is portrayed so incorrectly, but mm. that's a whole nother podcast probably. Probably. yeah definitely yeah <laughs> no it's interesting you mentioned that because um recently we had an episode with a lady named Anne who we spoke about movies and mental health and Inside Out was one of the films we featured and she's also got a book yeah. on the relationship between movies and mental health so it, and you know it is a massive topic and you know in today's episode we've had the perspective of of Chris as a as a therapist and um and then Anne as someone who's gone through mental health experiences herself and the, the relationships to films for her so this episode and that one could complement each other really well i think so for anyone who's interested in the relationship between movies and mental health um if you're watching this one you haven't seen Anne's, go back um and or if you've watched Anne's, come and watch this one but obviously you're watching it right now if you're listening to me talk so <laughs> yeah but yeah great a great topic and i think um you know uh really important to not we can't write movies off as just entertainment, you know, they are, but it's such a big part of our lives and our culture and our, and our personal stories as well. Um, and, you know, thank you for sharing yeah. your stories as well um, in yeah. the, in these film stories. It's, it's been great. Um, and just one sort of final question. Is there anything you're looking forward to seeing um, movies coming out or uh, yeah. you know, future of movies? Yeah. Any thoughts on that? You know, um, I am excited for the new Willy Wonka one that's coming yeah. out. I, I yeah. I'm excited to see how that one plays out. Yep. I I hope you know that's big expectations. I think the Johnny Depp one fell short by a lot for me. So I hope yeah. this one and it's a prequel, so I hope it's yes. different. Yeah. Um yeah, outside of that, you know, I my son is all about Spider-Man. So we've seen <laughs> all the Spider-Mans and <laughs> To be honest, I was never a, a big Spider-Man fan until Tom Holland. This kid is just phenomenal at it. Yeah, so I could great. watch him being Spider-Man forever, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how he's he's really made the role his own. And obviously he's had yeah. the most amount of films as Spider-Man. And 
yeah um and watching him and the other two come together in spider-man no way home that was that was pretty cool i enjoyed that one as well yeah yeah uh, and i mean luckily there's so many new things coming out in streaming that are that are just fun to watch and i will i will give just about anything a try it has to be really worth it if i'm going to go in the theater but other than that i will try just about anything at home at least once absolutely yeah just you know the convenience of watching movies these days it's 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 too easy you know we we can just yeah watch it anywhere anytime and yeah, certainly, you know, I, I love going to the movies, but I'm the same as you because when, when I get the time to go to the movies, being a busy parent, mm-hmm. husband, worker, business, yeah. man, whatever, it's it's got to be a, a, you know, a sense, a conscious choice, like, you know, which one am right. I going to go and pay money to see in the theatre and all that. So, yeah, but um, yeah. hopefully streaming doesn't take away cinemas altogether. That would be, that would be a shame. No, I, I would, I would miss the popcorn. I was all excited yeah. as a parent. I got to see Oppenheimer, Barbie, and Ninja Turtles in the same week, and I felt like a full-grown adult. I couldn't believe I saw three <laughs> movies in one week. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a big but, year for movies, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's been some good ones. Yeah. yeah, so um, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens next year because of the recent actors and writers strike in Hollywood. It's actually right. pushed back a lot of movies. So, you know, the first half of the year next year is going to be a little quiet. And then it's kind of like post COVID, right? Yeah, like we went through like right. a time where like there's nothing new coming out for a yeah, while. That's right. So yeah. what we're gonna see happen, and this was sort of a trend that's happened since COVID, is that they're re-releasing old movies back in the cinemas. Um yeah. to just obviously keep cinemas going, but also give people a chance to see a, a film they might love on the big screen that they've never seen before. So I think we might see a bit more of that happening. And I'm all for that, you know what I mean? Like some of my old time favorite movies um were came out when i was before i was born or when i was young so i didn't get the chance to see all of them yeah. on the big screen so like the goonies for example i'd love to go see the goonies oh, in, in a cinema or, or even yeah. psycho or you know pulp fiction or something like that so you know yeah. we saw jurassic park in 3d a few years ago. well it's probably been more than a few years ago at this point my husband and i both went that was so good i forgot how good it is and then seeing it in 3d was a whole other perspective yeah, and we cool. almost like fell back in love with it but jaws on the in theaters like all of oh, them yeah. would be so fun to watch <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah and i know there's a lot of smaller cinemas and i'm probably probably the same in, in the states you get a lot of smaller theaters bring back mm-hmm. old films and do marathons and stuff like that but yeah I, th- I think they get overlooked a lot of the time so if, if the big cinemaplexes start doing that and i think they will in the first half of next year otherwise you know cinemas are going to struggle so yeah so we'll see what happens but um yeah there's always something to watch which is great um well thank you chris it's been great chatting with you on my oh, movie story you. and thank you for your stories and sharing these three great films uh with us and couple of you know goodwill hunting ticked off the list now of my movie story um there might be a few other people watching that damn i wanted to i wanted to talk about that film because um (laughs) but you know you you got there and thank you thank you for sharing the stories behind those films and your connection to them uh and yeah thanks for being a part of my movie story it's been great having you Thank you so much. And thank you for giving us questions for every time I'm out to dinner with people now, because I bring it up every time. So thank you for that. My pleasure. All right. And take care. All right. You too. Bye.